welcome back to your second episode of your third season of Loving Grit, folks. I'm Laia. I'm Justin. And I'm Rachel. And today we have some good Philly Sicily affection for you in some really cool spaces. Blue Kind is inviting you to her space, Franny Lou's Porch, a dope, hella black cafe with an emphasis on activism, health, and the history of art and culture of the black community. That's love. Then, super sister Dr. Sheena Howard has taken her love for comics combined with her passion for social justice and diversity to create and discuss representation in that space. So let's get you ready for these dynamic stories. But first, around the Philly faves, today's topic. The thing you're looking most forward to this year in Philadelphia. Rachel, you go Ooh, first. I'm actually looking forward to a new exhibit. It's entitled Pool, A Social History of Segregation. And this is actually taking place at Fairmount Waterworks. And they're taking a look and exploring at the role of public pools in communities, talking about water and civil rights and how that relates even to, you know, drinking water and just the history of not wanting to include folks, my folks, (laughs) as you take a look at swim caps and that discussion and African-American hair care. And there's just so much to this. And I'm really looking forward to connecting and experiencing this exhibit. How about you, Laia? Uh, First of all, I'm just excited to go outside because quite honestly, people, I have not been there. Uh, (laughs) And I'm also just looking forward to, I hear it's happening. The Roots Picnic. Listen, I don't want to talk about it too much. Let's not get, but I, I hear it. Okay, 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 okay. okay. <laughs> so mine is the new Clay Studio that's opening in Kensington, which is very cool, the Clay Studio, what they do. But what I'm really excited for is that mural on the side Man. that our yes. friend Roberto is doing. Yes. Thought. There's so many amazing things coming in 2022 Ooh. to Philadelphia. It's going to yeah. be yeah. Our next three recordings, we definitely need to keep this topic, right? There's a lot going on. Let's do it. So when was the last time you entered a free Black space full of peace and love? What does that even mean? Enter Franny Lou's porch and founder Blue Kind, who strives daily to ensure those pillars are constant in her one-of-a-kind cafe, while also incorporating pro-community, anti-oppression politics, which is literally baked and steamed throughout this safe space. A space that exudes equity, whether you're speaking about their conflict-free product policy or culture surrounding a continued mission to pay their employees living wages. Yes, people, we have found the intersectionality of love and freedom. Can we talk about how much I love, love your candles? They make amazing gifts. I've given them to my son's teachers. And then when we partnered with the Philadelphia Association of Black Journalists for their holiday reception at the African-American Museum in Philadelphia, they were a huge, huge yes. hit. Like, you're amazing. What's, what's your big project right now, Blue? Because you know, Justin, that we got big projects over and over. And that's my part. Like, I'm a co-owner now. I actually invited two other people to be owners. And I'm kind of concentrating on the next, seeing the next. I'm the vision. So I'm like, what's next? What's then I can start things. So you can be a creative. You can't be covering the creative. Yeah. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. the spirit too, like making sure our spirit is well. But yeah, so our next thing that we're focusing on right now is our space rentals. We have the second floor of the building. That's actually where I'm at right now. My kids are in the front, but the shop can function while I'm up here. You know what I mean? Lovely. My kids aren't just throwing the shop. 
oh my gosh. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so we have four spaces available at this moment for rental, two in the upstairs and the downstairs in the garden. So like private events, gatherings, we have a private dinner coming up, you know, getting out of your home, having your family together. We have open mics and we do like kids programming. Every Thursday, we have Take the Village Thursdays. We have a storyteller come through, Imagine More Stories Adventures with Thembi. She comes once or twice a month. And then if we don't do that, we have book readings and play and writing and different play groups for mamas and, and little cubs. Do you ever so- take a step back and think about what you've done, what you're doing besides being a mama and doing all that kind of stuff, which is yes. a full-time job in yes, itself? I feel so seen by you. <laughs> <laughs> but then you have multiple jobs within your organization. So right. when you take a step back, how are you feeling about what you're accomplishing? I feel good. I feel encouraged. And it reminds me that I'm always taken care of. And sometimes I'll get in that mindset of like, am I okay? I'm like, oh, right. I'm always (laughs) taken care of. It's like, God's got my back straight up. So I think looking back is helpful. I think definitely it's a practice. I have meditation practices every morning so I can be grounded and so I can be efficient with my time. I'm just very about that. Whatever I eat, how does it affect my body? How does it affect my energy and my spirit? I'm very particular about that. How do I spend my screen time? Okay, I'm spending too much computer time here. That's taking away my energy. I need some support there. So I definitely want to be my best while I'm here in this realm of reality. I'm so curious with what you've achieved about your journey. Like, what part of Philly are you from? What did you want to be when you grew up? And when did you decide that this is a space that you wanted to create and this is what it's going to be? And I'm not sacrificing any of that. Yes, I was actually born in Virginia. So I'm a Southern child, even though where I'm from, they're like, oh, it's not the South. I'm like, y'all, we live yeah. on Plantation Boulevard. Shut Under the Mason-Dixon. Uh, Under the Mason-Dixon. I'm like, please. So I grew up in Virginia. I was a theater person. So I had lost family loss at a very young age and was in foster care and the wealthiest part of Virginia and Fairfax County living off food stamps and stuff, you know, social security. And so I saw a lot. I was like, oh my God, what is happening? You know, I'm not familiar with this. And I grew a lot. So I, I gravitated to a theater because I think it was a safe place for me to exist with my emotions I was going through. And I'm a writer. So I write and I perform all that stuff. So I kept on doing that and the college and my school and it was University of the Arts and that brought me to Philadelphia. And I knew, I knew I would get into school. I was like, that's it. It was so weird. I'm like, got it. I'm the only one in my family to leave Virginia, my immediate family. That's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. When you landed in Philadelphia from Virginia, like what was your image of Philadelphia? Because I always tell Justin and Rachel, I'm like, folks that aren't from the area just appreciate Philly in such a different way. Yeah. You can't hide anything in Philly. And I think that was my biggest discovery. I felt very odd in Virginia because I'm like wanting to talk about what's under the rug and kind of see through all of the housing renovations and all this stuff. They were weirdly petty, weirdly energy. Oh, I was so tired of it. I'm like, y'all, this is real. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I love the rawness of Philly energy and I love the flip-flops and socks. Just like, I don't care. This is who I am. And my PJs and I, it's Three o'clock in the afternoon. Why are we so known for just being in our PJs all the time? I feel like it's our thing. Let's talk about not only the name of your establishment, but in addition to the theme, when we talk about grandma futuristic, 
Yes. So this is Fannie Lou's porch. Fannie Lou's is named after Francis E.W. Harper and Fannie Lou Hamer. It is actually my second coffee house. So my first coffee house was Leota's Place, named after my mother, and it was across the street. And I started that when I was 22. So I had a lot of learning curves and I had a lot of vigor and excitement, but like learned a lot through that process. And so when I wanted to reopen, I wanted to be a little more 100%. You know, so everything in the store is local, organic, relational trade and made with love. And also these two heroines are both artists, mothers and stories of the African-American women experience in Philadelphia. And so I think that we could use that to attract more and connect deeply to more people than my mother, which I did connect to. But like, (laughs) let's get real. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. And they're both the 19th and 20th century and we're in the 21st century. And I see them as pillars of our ancestral legacy. So for us to keep that vision and knowing that Sankofa, we need to reach back mm. so we can keep going instead of ignoring and just repeating the cycle. So I'm very into like, no, get it gone so we can go move forward and move mountains. There's just like a hominess to the name. Like you just mm-hmm. want to like feel comfortable. Right. Mm. And, and then when sounds- you see, like when you see a jam and then you see, like there's just so much that you're like oh this this is special this is original this is unique it feels good it feels really good it's it's interesting because it's fun it's warm but it's also educational and and in your face yes i was gonna say can you say three of your top lattes right now what's the the three well i would say it's the mlk latte the james baldwin latte which is the cinnamon maple which i really like that and at points when in the season when comes it's the Leonard Peltier and that is our pumpkin spice latte. Leonard Peltier, who is that? His Native American who's jailed as a political prisoner right now. But what like is that the MLK flavor? Is the um, peanut butter mocha and I put some spice in it, put some cayenne. Mm. Always some cayenne. And I, I always do half cap. I can't do full cap no more. So We're I do getting old. That's why I half chicory, I know. Half chicory and half regular for my decaf, you know. You bring up some terms that I have never heard before, but I feel like I should start looking for in the businesses that I support. Conflict-free, Conflict-free products, yes. cruelty-free, and even some people yes. fake like they know fair trade. Like, ah. No, no. Yeah. You, you need to know exactly where things yeah. are going. Yeah, like slavery still exists. The spirit of slavery is not dead. That's so general truth. It is very real. And so anything that you can consume that requires hands, and not robots and machines will be exploited if not protected. Mm-hmm. So we um, really focus on fair trade sugars and chocolates. We do all local herbal tea blends and fair trade and organic teas. And even that I'm more like, that's a hard industry because you'll be like, it's from India and it's fair trade, but no one knows what farm. So now I'm like looking at more direct trade teas that are found in India and in China. How do you conduct your- free means like no blood. Francis E.W. Harper has a quote, I'd rather wear a coarser dress made with free hands than a finer dress made with blood. And I'm like, go ahead, Francis E.W. Harper. Our products come from hands and people and families and land. So I can go on. But yes, so conflict free. There's no place in Philadelphia that has all fair trades, sugars and chocolates in their baked goods and lattes. Sorry, but I wish there was more. I wish that was more priority, but people would rather go organic than fair trade. And I'd rather go fair trade than organic, but it's all usually connected. If you go fair trade, it's mostly done in a better way. 
How do you get people into fair trade? It's more expensive. It takes some explanation. And you still want to be in the community and support. Oh, it's just oh, so much. I'm okay with not being liked. I'm okay with just existing in your own values and it will attract people that do care. So we are a place that you can trust. I know where everybody goes to get their food. Y'all eat in the same place. It's made differently, but it's bought. It's all hydrocos corn syrup. It's fake honey. I'm sorry, y'all. Is that loving our neighbors? So like our values, we love ourselves. We love each other and we love our neighbors. Am I going to give you something that's toxic for your organs? Nah. Sugar? Hey, I don't do sugar personally. We do sugar in our cafe. I feel like that is something, but you also can get a latte with maple syrup agave. You can get it with honey, or you can just get it without any of that. <laughs> so I think there's options for people to also be a part of it. And we have sea moss for our smoothies, chia seeds and powder. So we have different options as well on the spectrum. How do you as a business owner do that research to know new folks that are trying to do business with you, you're partnering or whatever. And then also how does a consumer begin to do that type of research when you talk about fair trade and everything else as well? So I ask questions, even though this country, no one wants to ask questions now. I'm very curious. And if they don't have the answers for me, I will say no. I'm okay with saying no. I'm okay with having two options in 20. But a lot of our conditioning, I think, in the American culture is if we don't have all these options and we make it or whatever. But I'd rather focus on, hey, I got two options. What can I do with two pennies? I can do a lot. I'm a very creative person. We all are if we open ourselves up for it. But also it's like being okay with that loss. I turn around, I'm teaching my kids that. I turn around and say, what is in this? Don't just take it for face value just because it's green or it's like advertised with a child on it. Like I do have certain situations where I, I have compromised my values and I deal with that every day. You know, I do drive a car. I have all these values, but I'm like, uh, it's hard to exist sometimes. So I'm, I'm planning my time to get out to the mountains one day. I'll just be in a little hole. I'll come out. When I- <laughs> what does it look like to have a sister fully educated, immersed and involved in the comic book world, all while being a thought leader who consistently puts words behind her passions? It looks like Southwest Philadelphia's own Dr. Sheena Howard. I mean, she literally wrote the Encyclopedia of Black Comics. And while you may know her from her other world-renowned hit periodical, Why Wakanda Matters, What Black Panther Reveals About Psychology, Identity, and Communication, honey, Dr. Howard is a force to be reckoned with in and out of the comic book world, challenging and recontextualizing all narrowed conventional thoughts. As of late, she continues this mission by contributing to an historic graphic novel, which will be in incorporated into Philadelphia school's curriculum. How'd you get into superheroes? Well, I actually got into comics, not necessarily superheroes at the beginning because I went to Howard University and yes, I was you- doing my PhD at 23 years old. So at 23, I was actually a baby. in teaching, yes, and doing my PhD with like a bunch of 30, 40 year olds. When you come into a PhD program, they're like, what is your dissertation going to be on? What are you going to write this book about? And I had no idea. But I was like, I, I don't know. I'm just like, I'm just here. 
here. Like I was just called to be here. And I had to look around in my environment and figure out a dissertation topic. And it just so happened at that time period, I was reading the Boondocks comic strip. I looked at race and gender dynamics in the comic strip. And that was my entry point into comics, actually. And so that's why when you see my work, I'm all about documenting Black history and culture through comics because I came in as an academic. It's funny because in my mind, I was like, wait, I don't even understand the classism within comic books because I was afraid to say I come from a Betty, Veronica and Sunday comics kind of lane. And is that looked down upon or is that still in the same lane as like the superhero thing as well? So that was me in the beginning, too, because when you're in the comics world, you know, like these people, they read them as kids. They can tell you what happened on issue number 10 in Batman. Mm -hmm. And I can't do that. So it's a different entry point for me, but it actually allows me to bring people into comics who might not ordinarily be interested in the medium because you can document Black history and culture through the medium of comics. It's not just only about superheroes. I was going to say in the Sunday comics, I feel like the boondocks were the first introduction to Black people because Doonesbury, the family circle, Kathy. In like the 50s and 40s, there were Black people writing comics and comic strips, but they were only in the African-American newspapers. They weren't allowed to be mainstream, but you had people like Brumsick Brandon writing comics and challenging the status quo during the 50s in a time where he could only get published in Black newspapers. And those are sort of the beginnings of things like the boondocks, the all Negro comic book, which is considered like one of the first comic books by a black person of black people actually started here in the city of Philadelphia. So Philly has such an amazing comics history as well. So there's a lot more to the history of black comics than, than most people would know. And that's what I'm here for, to educate people about that. But also I'm on the path of learning, too. You've pretty much received an Oscar within <laughs> the comics world. Can you tell us a little well, your bit about first that? book? Yeah, let's talk about <laughs> yes. that. Yes, I became the first Black female to win an Eisner Award. And yes, the Eisner Award is the highest award you can win in comics. And it is considered an Oscar in comics. And it's given at San Diego Comic-Con. And my first book was called Black Comics, Politics of Race and Representation, because that is actually what my dissertation was on. When I was doing my research on my dissertation, I wanted to create a timeline of Black people's contributions in the field of comic strips. And I thought that there was just going to be a book that was about the history of Black comics. And there was no book. So I'm at Howard University and I'm like, if the book isn't here, then the book doesn't exist. And so that's why I put together that first book to start documenting the history of Black people's contributions in comics. And yes, that book happened to win an Eisner Award. What do you do after you win an Eisner? There's so much new stuff to create, not just in comics, but in media in general. You just keep creating all the ideas that you have in your head. That's what I do. I got, I have enough ideas for the rest of my natural life. Yeah, you didn't fail hard because for somebody who wasn't interested, did it on a dissertation and now you are in it. No, no, I, I had to embrace my destiny. You know, sometimes, you know, I always used to hate like sometimes like really popular actors or, or people who are just doing really good in their field. Sometimes they'll say, I just fell into it. I'm like, how'd you like fall into winning the Oscar, right? But now I understand like sometimes, you know, when you just kind of follow your path and do things that are positive and align with what you feel is right at the time, sometimes things just do kind of happen the way they happen. How would it work if, let's say we want it, 
a comic book, right? If we uh-huh. wanted a love and grit comic uh-huh. book, uh-huh. come the wheeling and the dealing. Here we go. Well, I'm curious how can I be this... memorialized in well, a comic strip? Okay, okay. See but now because they, bad it's, not, it's not, and now it's that not. they want, no, te- I think it's amazing. It now is, that they want to tease me, so now I have to ask two questions. <laughs> the first question, I'm curious. You've met us and chatted with us a little bit. What would you identify as maybe our superpowers if you were to create? a comic book about this group and then the second question which was the original question how does a person go about that if we really were like dr howard we would love a comic book for love and great like how do we do it now how do we work with you to make that happen really all you do is schedule a meeting with me and you gotta have the funds <laughs> and then if you have the funds <laughs> you got the you know, money we, honey <laughs> we, we get under contract you might have a general idea of what you like to see and then you know, I go off and do it. Like for this recent book, Black Lives Always Matter for the public school system, Eric Battle, he was the creative director for that project. So he's an artist and then he brought on some other artists. And the process is the writer writes the script. So you're giving directions to the artist and you're, you're writing the story. And then the artists, they go and do their thing. So that would be the process. But you got to come with funds. Well, okay, first and foremost, now my question is, how would you develop superpowers out of the three of us? Like, is Laia going to be a superhero with red glasses? So so all that before I I would even get started writing, we would create an outline that you guys would approve. So you might have some general ideas. You say, hey, Sheena, I always wanted this superpower or whatever it is. And then I'll create an outline. I'll write the story. You guys would read it and say, hey, yeah, I really like this. There's a lot of different superpowers that you can give people and you can really kind of outside the box, but you have to remember on a comic book page, some powers are kind of hard to show on a comic book page. Like if you wanted your superpower that you wanted to be invisible. Well, you can't really show that on a comic book page. Right. So those sorts of things we'd have to work through. Yeah. Okay. So Sheena, I want to know about the Wakanda book, why Wakanda matters, because I want to know what kind of feedback you got. That book has gotten a lot of great reviews and people are really, really loving it. So the person that actually wrote the forward for the book is Philip Boutte, who's a concept design artist for the costumes on the actual movie, The Black Panther. So it was amazing to work with him and have him write the forward. He wrote a really amazing forward about his experience in the entertainment industry. So if anybody wants to read that forward, go get the book. Now I got to go back and read the forward because, you know, sometimes we just Um, skip it. Right, exactly. Yeah, a lot of people just skip the forward, but especially in my books that are a little more about cultural criticism and a little bit on the academic side I like to get really strong forwards by powerful people so like the Encyclopedia of Black Comics the forward is written by Dr. Henry Louis Gates so you know that wow kind of okay yeah I get it okay. I don't play with my forwards because I, I know a lot of people skip them <laughs> can you draw so I do have a master's in graphic design randomly but I cannot draw have you ever built your own comic A writer is limited by just writing. You can't do a comic book as a writer without the artist. There are people out there that can write and draw so they can do the whole thing themselves. But if you're just a writer like me, you need a team behind you. Otherwise, you just have a script. Where is the best place to keep up with you? I use my Instagram to teach people. You know, I'm a a teacher at the heart of it. You'll find me on every social media platform at Dr. Sheena Howard. Can't wait to see what else is in store. Yeah, And the Love and Grit comic book as well. When do you want that, Rach? Next week? 
Tuesday. Whatever. I'm not messing with y'all. We're, they're not going to be in it, and that's fine. That's I'm fine. Make blackness a superpower, or has that already been done? Because I don't know what mine would be. <laughs> Listen, there's a lot of great comics coming out by these black creators. I'm sure. I'm sure. Put us on, Sheena. Yeah, please. Put us on to them. Oh, there's so many. Well, John Jennings is one. He's all about challenging the status quo. Comics from the African American perspective. Definitely Eric Battle because he's in Philly. He's an artist. Yes, Eric Battle. Spike Trotman has a really big following. I would definitely recommend Spike Trotman. Does a lot of self-published work and has her own publishing company. Make sure you follow us at Love Grit Philly on Instagram and Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. Rachel would love if you'd rate or review our podcast. Yeah. Tell your something nice to say. Can I just do a quick flex on behalf of Love and Grit? I just want to say, you know, we didn't even mention this because we make history all the time in Philadelphia. But the two ladies that we interviewed today are just the perfect intersectionality of Black and women's history. They they just happen to be making it. (laughs) Yes. Thank you, Laya. Absolutely. Talk to you guys next time. Bye.